Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Romans chapter 6 is where we are today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him that His word would be released through His servant and we'd, that we'd go beyond information and get revelation. Go beyond information and get revelation. That the Spirit of God Himself would reveal that and connect us in our spirit with Him. Lord, we just ask you, Spirit of God, you who uh, inspired this word, you who protected this word, we ask you to release it into our spirit man by your spirit. We thank you, Jesus. You said that the words you speak unto us, they are spirit and they are life. We pray for that connection today. In Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen and amen. Well, we started out with Romans 8, 1. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ? Well, it's legitimate for the Holy Spirit to convict you. That is, to convince you that... Um, something is out of order or out of line or falling short of his standard. But condemnation is when you begin to feel uh, beat up, uh, guilty, unworthy, uh, accusations all the time in your inner man. That is not of the Lord. And uh, the Bible says that Satan is an accuser of the brethren. So we began to look at why we're in no condemnation anymore, and we saw that the Word of God is clear. That uh, Romans 5, 1, we have been justified, declared not guilty by the blood of Jesus. We receive that through faith. Through faith. That's the agency that lays hold of that provision. And then we begin to see uh, that not only are we to receive uh, the, the favor of God, his blessing, but we're to walk in line with that. We saw that uh, in chapter 8, verse 1 said, uh, verse 2 says that we are not under condemnation who do not walk according to the flesh. That is, according to means under the, under the influence of that old person we used to be, how we thought, how we acted, how we spoke. And um, the, we're not in the flesh. We are in the spirit. And um, it is uh, an incredible blessing uh, to know that we can walk according to the flesh, but we're not in the flesh. And the Word says that the key there is what we set our mind on. In verse 5, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. And then we saw in verse 9, in case there's any doubt, but you are not in the flesh. Now you can walk according to as if you're in the flesh, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 tells us that when we received Christ, that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, baptized us, placed us in to Christ himself. And so... Um, to live according to the flesh is to live like somebody we're not. 
And so when I fall short of the glory of God, when, when I sin, I'm living like somebody I'm not because God says that I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. God says in Ephesians 1, uh, 3 through 5, that he's blessed me with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, and I am holy and righteous and blameless in his eyes. Because I am in Christ. Remember what we said? If this is you and this is Christ, God can't see you except seeing you in Christ Jesus. And there's no condemnation there. And we praise the Lord for it. There's correction, but not condemnation. And we talked about that uh, on several occasions. All right. So our problem as believers is that we have a mistaken identity. We make choices and we have thoughts and feelings that are out of line with who God says that we are. I want to show you something. Turn there to the sixth chapter of Romans as I ask to begin with. And um, the Bible talks about in chapter 5 how we... We don't walk according to the offense of the law, but we have been given grace through our Lord Jesus. In chapter 6, verse 1 says, so what shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Do you not know? What's this? As many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him. We've been baptized. We've been crucified with him. We've been buried with him through baptism into death. That is, the Holy Spirit placed us into the very identity of Jesus. Wow. Wow. But he was raised, as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we should also walk in that newness of life. Now let's look at verse 5. For we have been united together, if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. Who we used to be was crucified with him. That the body of sin, that is our old identity, might be done away with, might be rendered powerless, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Do you know that in God's legal eyes, and it doesn't matter how I see it, how God sees it is the only thing that matters. And if I begin to see as God sees, then I'm going to be, I'm going to be walking by the Spirit and not the flesh. Did you know that as far as God's concerned, you were there at the cross? God saw you, Joe. He saw you, Janet. He saw you, Marilyn. He saw you, Edric. You were there. You were crucified. You were there. When God saw Jesus get on that cross, you were represented. You were there at the cross. And he nailed to that cross. He took all of your sin on himself at the cross. He took the righteousness of that Holy One and put it into your account. You were there when he went to the tomb. You were there. You, your old identity was buried, and when he was raised, so were you. 
Colossians chapter 3 says, if you've been raised up with Christ, then you have been. Seek thinking, keep seeking those things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Hallelujah. In God's legal, holy eyes, you were there. At the cross, he broke the power of the old life off of you. It was you were buried and raised to walk in the newness of his life. God sees you now as his son, his daughter, in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> God sees us in that new identity. I love Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. You believe it? Nevertheless, I love, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, Jesus. He made, God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Well, can you put, uh, can you put my um, illustration up there? It's We said, why is it that it gets so difficult when we, when all these assets God has given us are true? We begin to talk about how we're absolutely reborn in our spirit, man. Jesus Christ comes to live on the inside of Christ in you, the hope of glory by the Holy Spirit. There's also a spiritual part of us called our soul, our mind, our emotions, and our will. And in the realm of our soul. There are rooms that are not yielding to the centerpiece, the Lord of the living room of our spiritual house. Consider yourself as a spiritual house, and in that living room, in the center of that house, is the owner of that house, and the Bible says that's Jesus. He owns the house. He lives in that living room. And he's to have full access over every room in that spiritual house. What happens is, though, listen, you and I, through neglect or through choices, we let intruders into our spiritual house. You say, well, pastor, if Jesus is the Lord of that spiritual house and he's right there in the middle... And he sees everything that comes in there. Why is it that there are intruders in some of the rooms of my soul? Because although Jesus owns the house, you are the resident manager of the house. You allow intruders into that mind. The gate of the mind. And what happens is that sometimes <clears throat> the enemy gets access to those spiritual rooms in the upstairs and in the cellar. Sometimes he gets access because our doors and windows are open. Doesn't mean we're not owned by the owner of the house, the Lord Jesus. But it means through our own negligence and sometimes from our own sinful choices, we let some intruders come on in the house. 
And then when these intruders come on in the house and they stay a while, when the Lord of the house is walking through the room and he wants full access, sometimes these intruders push back against the Lord of the house coming on in and having free reign over the house he owns. That's what the Bible calls a stronghold, a stronghold, an area, a pocket, a room of resistance that pushes against the lordship of Jesus, a stronghold. We've talked about several of those strongholds, pride, Lord, I, I can handle this. I don't, I don't need you to do this. I've, I've got this. You, you can stay out of this room. Uh, fear, Lord, if I were to give you access to this room, you might mess up my plan. If I were to turn my money over to you, if I were to turn my marriage, my relationships, my kids, if I were to turn my job totally over to you, you might go against what I think ought to be ought to happen. Anger. Anger that just stays in one of those rooms turns into resentment, and resentment turns into bitterness, and before you know it, oh boy, what a problem there is. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, lust. Um, addiction, there are, there's all kind of rooms in our spiritual house that can have strongholds. But understand this, for those strongholds to be defeated, they have to be recognized, and then they have to be resisted. The weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for the destruction of strongholds. But we have to recognize they're there, and we have to resist them in the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. We talked about that last time, the principle of renouncement. I hope you were here. That is a principle you don't hear talked about very much. But 2 Corinthians 4 talks about the power of it. We are renouncing the things hidden in shame, not operating in craftiness. That is, using the Word of God to justify things that are out of line with the, with, the, with the person of God. We have new identity in Christ. But you know, here's a couple of strongholds that most of us in the body of Christ are not really looking at. And as I look around at the body of Christ, I, I see there's so much lack of power in life. I tell you what, it really does encourage me to see that the Lord is springing up revivals through young people. Can you say amen to that? There in uh, Asbury, Kentucky, some of us are old enough to remember how God moved at Asbury College in 1970. We were in the middle of the onslaught of the drug revolution, the Vietnam War, so many things of turmoil, and, and just our whole country was just going through an enormous amount of turmoil. And God saw a little, a little chapel in a little bitty town in Kentucky. And he began to stir and praise and worship began to, to happen. And then before you know it, people from all over the country 
were coming to that little campus. That's spreading now to Samford University over here in Homewood. Look at AL.com sometime and look up what's going on in Samford Reed Chapel where some of us spent a lot of time and money. <laughs> God, and, and it's just all students. Somebody got in there and started playing and a few students gathered around and started singing. They started worshiping the Lord. They began to not care what their fellow students thought. They just began to worship in that Reed Chapel. I've been there a million times and so have some of you. The Spirit of God began to work now day after day after day after day. Something going on there. Would to God it go on all over the world. I've prayed for the Spirit of God to do a mighty work, to bring mighty pockets of revival in our nation. And one of the strongholds we're going to have to deal with as believers is because of the onslaught of social media and all kinds of information, and everybody in the world has a platform now Many of us have fallen into a stronghold, a trap, and we don't even see it. It is criticism and rejection of authority. I want you to see something here in Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you not want to be afraid of the authority? Just do what is good, and you'll have praise from the same. Turn to the right and go with me to 1 Timothy Chapter 2, I want you to see something here that the Spirit of God is trying to say to us is His body, the body of Christ in the church. Chapter 2 of 1 Timothy, beginning with verse 1, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, intense prayers, prayers and intercessions, let me say that again, in Supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. What's this? For this, praying for those in places of leadership and authority, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. My, my. You can't listen to many Christian conversations without hearing somebody in authority, some political leader being dissed, criticized. I want to tell you something. It's okay to disagree, and it's okay to have convictions, but I want to remind you of something. 
the Apostle Paul wrote this under the direction of the Holy Spirit, and the, and the legal authority over him was a man named Nero. And Nero would have him killed. And Paul was saying, we need to pray for Nero. We need to pray for all of these all of these that we want to hate and cast blame and, and think that they are ruining the, the nation. And Paul said, I am, I am saying that we ought to pray for all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life. This is the will of God who won't. Listen, can I ask you something? Are you praying for those that you think are so wrong? Are you praying that they will come to the knowledge of the truth? Are you praying that God would move and work in the president and the vice president and the cabinet and the congress and governors and mayors? If not, we are disobeying the word of God. Nobody likes to hear that. But that's a stronghold in the body of Christ right now. Many years ago, many years, decades ago, Ron, decades ago, Betty, I was walking around and criticizing this uh, political leader of our country and carrying on conversations, and the Spirit of God said to me, you better stop that or you are going to close the door to the blessing I want to give you. If you don't stop that and start praying for him, your blessing is going to dry up. The door will be closed. I said, God, I don't want that. He said, well, you better get this right. We're to stand. We're to have convictions. We're to express godly, righteous opinions. But we are not to get to continue to criticize and reject authorities that are there. We are, listen, again, we are to pray for them giving thanks for all people, and to pray for all who are in authority. Because look look at what will happen if we will pray for those in authority. God says we will be able to live a quiet and peaceable life. I don't know about you, but I love peace and quiet. Do you know that when I stay in, in, in criticism and rejection of those in authority, it's going to disturb my peace and quiet? Yes, it is. And it's not praying for the salvation of all that God wants us to intercede for. And that becomes a stronghold that we don't even recognize is there. And it can remove our blessing. It can remove our peace and quiet. It can keep us from being promoted. And it can remove the the protection that the Lord wants to give us. Another stronghold that we don't talk a whole lot about is uh, hurts. Do you know it's inevitable that you're, you're going to be, <laughs> if you live in this world, you're going to be hurt. You're not going to be able to escape this world without being hurt. At some point by somebody by or by something, you're going to be hurt. 
Matthew, 8, uh, Matthew 18, 7 and Luke 17, 1 says, it is inevitable that offenses come. Should have turned with me to Hebrews chapter 12, please. Hebrews chapter 12. Over toward the back of your Bible, Hebrews chapter 12. Sorry about that. I just love it when the pages in my Bible stick together here. All right. Hebrews 12. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace, the favor and ability of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by this, by this root of bitterness, many become defiled, wounded. You know, the word for offense in Scripture is scandalon, and it had to do with traps laid for animals. There was bait laid on the trap, and when the animal got close enough, smelled the food, and tried to partake of that food, then the trap would snap and ensnare the animal. It's interesting that the Holy Spirit would use that word, that the enemy is laying traps for us through our hurts, through holding on to offenses. Now, you can be hurt without holding on, without being offended. Can I say that again? You can be hurt without being offended. You can live righteously and, um, and be hurt because I, I, I want to tell you there's, there's something godly about being hurt if you're hurt for the right reason. There is God's stamp of approval and closer intimate relationship and fellowship with Jesus if you're suffering for a just and righteous cause. But how many of you know that in this world in which it's so easy to grab onto offenses and um, it can be something as simple as, as a look, a word, a gesture, a just an innocent movement by somebody else or a lack of response by somebody else. It hurts. But it becomes offense when it becomes seasoned. It becomes an offense <clears throat> when we want the person who hurt us to pay. And uh, we don't mind being involved in making them pay. Are you following me? You can be hurt without being offended, but hurts are the breeding grounds for becoming offended if we don't go to the Lord with them. 
You say, well, Pastor, I don't know if i am uh, got an offense stronghold or not. Well, you might have one if you continually, um, every time you think about them, you get angry. Every time you think about this person, man, you want them to pay. You may be offended when you hear that they have failed or that they have gone through something painful. You inwardly rejoice. Well, it's about time. (laughs) If you rejoice when you hear people are suffering or hurting, it may be that you still have hold of an offense. I want you to, to turn back to the left there one page to Hebrews 10. We carry offenses sometimes when people really hurt us. And it appears that they just never, I mean, they just go right on with their lives. They don't ever seem to acknowledge it. They don't ever... Um, want to try to get things right and make it feel like that they even prized our relationship. Um, Sometimes when people hurt you or offend you and it doesn't look like it bothers them one bit, um, that's not always accurate. Hebrews 10, are you there? I want us to look at verse 30. Hebrews 10, verse 30. We know him who said, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Uh Uh-oh. If God's son, if God's daughter, everybody say, that's me. If God's son or daughter gets hurt and offended and you will go to the Lord and and give that offender to the Lord, then you release the Lord to do what he does, bring them to repentance. God can help them see what you've been trying to make them see for years, and they won't see it. In fact, when you try to make them see it, it just makes a mess. Have you ever noticed that? If in the flesh we just want them to see it, it usually makes a mess. But how many, of you, how many of you know the Holy Spirit knows exactly what to do, what to say, and how to do it? And the beautiful thing about the Lord, and when he handles it, look, the Lord will deal an unrepentant people. Notice he's talking about the Lord will judge his people. God's sons and daughters who have offended him, who will not come to repentance, the Lord will get involved. 
Now, I want to tell you this. Sometimes our problem is it doesn't look like he's getting involved. He's not doing it the way and in the timing we want him to. You ever notice that? Well, I've been hurt so bad, God, you're not doing a thing. They're just going on and living life and everything is all cool for them and they don't ever have any issues. Can I tell you something? Just because you don't see God dealing with them doesn't mean he's not dealing with them. That's not proof that God is not dealing. Vengeance, righteous vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Pastor, I thought God was a God of love. He is. But God doesn't like it when his sons and daughters are offended and nobody ever tries to make it right. He don't like that. Would you? So how do I deal with those who've offended me? First of all, ask the Lord to show you if there's an offense in your spiritual house. Ask the Lord to bring to your mind and heart anybody that every time you think about them, it still causes you pain and you just don't want anything to do with them. You don't, I mean, you just would like it if they got hurt too. Ask the Lord to show you if you are holding on to an offense. Remember, offenses, what, what we read in chapter 12, offenses will brew and fester and it will lead to a long chain of defilement. It, 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 look, it has a hereditary effect. Do you know, sometimes offenses are passed down from generation to generation. There are things that may have offended your parents or grandparents that if you don't deal with them, you're going to find out show up in your life too. God can break that chain. So ask the Lord. Is there some, am I holding on to an offense by somebody? They shafted you in business. Ask the Lord to show you how he sees you. What does God say about you? Were you crucified with him? Were you buried with him? Were you raised with him? Does he say you're holy and righteous and blameless because you are in Christ Jesus? Can I tell you, you're not what that other person accused you of being. You're God's daughter. You're his son. You're not a mess. You're a beautiful creature to the Lord. So ask God to show you if you're holding on to an offense. Ask God to show you how he sees you. And then ask God to show you how he sees the one who offended you. Bring that person in your prayers. Bring that person right before the throne of God. And ask the Lord, how do you see them, Lord? How do you see them? And I'll bet what he'll tell you is, well, I showed you at the cross. Because I looked down at every one of those who were participating in my crucifixion, and I said, Father, forgive them. They really don't grasp what they're doing. Can I ask you something? Are you willing to just have the grace to say to the Lord, I pray what you prayed. 
I don't even feel like it or want to, but in obedience, I pray what you prayed, Jesus, forgive them. They don't really understand the depth of what they're doing. Pastor, what if they do understand what they're doing? Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Stronghold of offense. It passes through and it begins to replicate itself in, our, in the people we love and in those we're surrounded with. It's poison. There are strongholds. For God has given us the weapons of warfare. Those weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for the destruction of, of strongholds. And it begins with a revelation of the love of God. See, if I get greater revelation of the word of the love of God, I can't hold on to an offense towards you. Because he's forgiven me and released me of all my offenses. And if I get revelation of that love, I can't hold on to that towards you. That is a mighty weapon of our warfare. Revelation of the love and the grace of God. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. I want you to have a time of prayer with me. I want you to ask the Lord, Holy Spirit, search my heart. Holy Spirit, search my heart. Just take a minute now. And get quiet before the Lord. And ask the Lord to search your heart. Ask the Lord in that spiritual house of yours. Are there some rooms, some strongholds there that have not been yielded to the Lord? Are there some rooms there in that spiritual house of yours that he has not been welcome? Do you know the Lord knows? He knows what's in that room. He knows every corner of it. He knows all our choices. He knows all the things that are shameful. All the things that... We don't, we just want to cover up. We don't want anybody to know. Do you know the Lord knows all that? And do you know it hadn't stopped his love for you one bit? Would you just invite him now to be Lord over every spiritual room in your house? Would you invite him to be Lord? And would you say, Lord, Right now, in the name of Jesus, I demand the intruders in my mind to be gone from my heart and my mind. If so, would you join me right now in this prayer? Just pray it out loud with me. Mighty God, in the name of Jesus, I am yours, and I hereby declare that every room in my spiritual house, in my soul, is under your Lordship. I invite you into every room that I've kept you out of through my own disobedience, through my own shame. Come on in, Lord, and take complete control over my mind, my emotions, my will, my body. I'm yours in Jesus' name. I declare that you are Lord 
over every square inch of my, of my life. Lord, give your people revelation, Lord. Give your people revelation of your love, Lord, your grace. Now I want you to say to the Lord with me, mighty God, you know those who I'm holding prisoner. I have held on to an offense. And right now, in Jesus' name, I pray for that offender. I forgive them in the name of Jesus. By your grace, I receive your grace. And I forgive them now in Jesus' name. Lord, break the chains of offense today. Open the eyes of our hearts and minds to see where we're hurting ourselves through criticism and rejection of authority. May we pray and cry out for all of those in places of authority, Lord, for you to open their eyes and heart and bring them to the knowledge of you. We pray today, O oh God, for judges in this land. We pray, O oh God, that you would bring them to holiness and righteousness, strength and boldness. We ask you, God, to bring them to repentance in those areas where they are failing the truth of God. We pray, O oh God, for those who won't repent, that they would be removed and replaced with righteous judges in this nation. Most of all, O oh God, we pray for greater revelation of how you see people. We open our hearts today, God, by your Spirit, and we say we want greater revelation of your love, of your mighty and holy grace. in our mini-service on this Wednesday at 11. We'll be glad to see you. Go with God. He's going with you. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.